Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Richard Arnott. Richard is a director and the general manager for Mondial Aesthetics, a company that distributes new and innovative medical devices and products to doctors and nurses in the aesthetics industry. Richard possesses over 15 years of experience establishing and leading effective business units in the dynamic and often volatile aesthetics market. Prior to his time at Mondial, Richard was the general manager for QMed, a pharmaceutical company who originally pioneered dermal fillers here in Australia. Richard graduated from Rhodes University in South Africa with a degree in commerce. Hi Richard, how are you? Yeah, great. Um, thanks for having me around, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Good morning, Richard. It's the first time we've met, so thank you for coming. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Excellent. So, um, Richard, tell us about your journey into the, I guess, the aesthetic world. Where, where did you start and what did you train in originally? Yeah, look, um, originally I... I trained as uh, I trained in business. I went to university. I did a business degree. Uh, spent many, many years thereafter um, traveling around the world. Can I assume you're from South Africa? I'm, a, I'm from South Africa originally. Okay. Yes, could be Zimbabwe. You never know. Yeah. No. Well, <laughs> in my day, Zimbabwe, South Africa, it was virtually the same thing. Yeah. But the Zimbos would uh, would hate to hear that. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I came back to South Africa um, after about ten years of travel. And um, needed a job, needed a real a real job, and um, got into pharmaceuticals. In those days, the pharmaceutical company was ICI, uh, which later became Zeneca. And what year was this? Oh, that would have been um, early nineties. Okay, so pretty early on. Yeah, pretty early on. You know, did the repping, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, and then decided to move to the UK. Okay, also. You know, no firm firm plans, or I was a bit of a a free spirit in those days. Um, <laughs> those days, yeah, but not today. Yeah, no. Well, see, you know, and and we'll get into yeah. that uh, how how it all arrived. But um, I'd actually um, trained someone in the Caribbean, a uh, big business guy, who always said to me, you know, if you're ever in the UK, give give me a shout. I'm sure I can uh, put something on the table for you. And um, I did that. And uh, he was part of an investment group that was starting up a company called Isologen. Okay. I don't know if you've heard about Isologen. Never, actually. Isologen was the first autology th- autologist therapy um, probably up until this day and age. And what does that mean? Well, basically what they did is they um, they took a sample of of a, a small skin sample from behind the ear. And then they separated the fibroblasts out of that uh, skin sample mm-hmm. and obviously multiplied it by millions. 
and then they would send it back to the physician that had taken the sample from a certain patient, and that sample was then injected back into the patient's skin. Wow. So these um, autologous cells of the patient, so their very own cells injected back into their skin with the hope that the cells would then regenerate the skin and you'd get beautiful glowing skin, new skin as such. So that's sort of the precursor of sort of stem cell or PRP, that type of Definitely, yeah. So, you know, this was before the days of PRP and before the days of, uh, of... of stem cells. Mm. The problem... What the, year was this, by the way, roughly? So this, this was um, 2001, oh. 2001, 2002. Um, so we set up, um, in those days, it was a US company, but they, they weren't allowed to operate in the US commercially. Right. So they could do it in the UK. Okay. <laughs> Come and use the UK yeah. po- population as guinea pigs. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> And that's exactly what happened and, if, if, you know, what the claims became at, at the end of this. So, you know, we, we were a small startup team. Um, none of us were scientists. Right, yes. Um, we, you know, we got some regulatory guys involved. We got some scientists involved. We set up a, a laboratory um, in the south end of London. Right. And we, and we, started, um, we started selling this stuff and I was the main sales guy. Amazing. I've always been the sales guy, but uh, it's, you know, and how did it go? Was it well received? Well, you know, doctors are very open to regenerative medicine. And it's one of the questions you asked me, David. I mean, where's this industry going? I, I think it's going down that route. If you can find something that actually works and has the clinical evidence to base itself I think you're onto a winner. The problem is, is to commercialize it. Yes. You know, to scale an operation like that where you're taking live cells from a patient, then putting them in, in, in a laboratory, growing them out in a laboratory. So you need very skilled individuals to work in that laboratory. They all univ- university degreed individuals. Um, then the logistics of getting that sample back to the physician in a live state yeah. so that they can inject it back into the, into the patient was extremely challenging. And the guys that I worked with had huge plans, huge ambitions. You know, we were, we were sending samples to Australia. We were sending samples all over Europe. Um, at the end of the day, I doubted whether when the sample got to the physician, whether it was still alive. Mm. Yeah. You know, you so need was this on ice. You're sending it. Yeah, it would, you, you, would, you know, it would, um, it would obviously be um, harvested and kept in a cryo uh, format. Yes. Up until the time of transport, then we'd put it in a like a as you'd send cooler box. We'd then courier these samples back to the physician, and and they would then have to make in, ensure that the physi- the patient came in on that exact day yeah. and they could inject it before this 24-hour period elapsed. Wow. So what we, you know, we saw, uh, like anything in this, and as a physician you will know with PRP, some patients will come in, incredible results. Other patients, you can't really see the result. Likewise with stem cells. I know there's a lot of stem cell 
therapy going on at the moment, especially in anti-aging joints. Mm. There's no doubt it works. Yes, yeah. But when a doctor, I think, or is it Doctor Ralph Bright? He's doing quite a lot of that. Yeah, I think in, he, he, in Liverpool. I think he does a lot. He's been yeah, doing it for a while. There is, and there, there's another guy called um, I forget his name now. Peter Britton. Right. He's actually a vet, huh. a veterinarian uh, surgeon, but he's he's set something up that that looks like it could have it, it could have legs, and he's got a number of physicians working with him, where they basically harvest the stem cell, get it to a lab in, in Melbourne, and uh, then send it back. Are they to, doing this on people or animals? No, they're doing it on people. Oh, right. And what are they doing in the lab? How are they altering the plasma? Well, what they do is they, they, they pull out the stem cell and they, they, they have a concoction of PRP and they mix it in that. And that then gets sent back to the physician. Just for our listeners who don't know what PRP is, can you just elaborate on on that mm. sort of term, platelet-rich plasma? What, what is it exactly? Just basically. Well, it's look. I'm not. A, I'm not an expert in in PRP, but it, it's. it's I help you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Please. <laughs> so, uh, at my understanding, because you know, I do it in a very basic form. Yeah. We take a blood sample from a patient. The blood vial, the little tube, gets spun in a machine. And because of gravity, the red blood cells, which is what we don't need for the skin and, and the cosmetic procedure we're doing, will go to the bottom of the tube. And the lighter products at the top is the plasma. It's the, the gold-colored liquid. That's right. So that is what we're talking about, the, the PRP, the platelet-rich plasma. That's right. And my understanding is that this group then mix the stem cells that they've harvested from fat into into that pl- enriched plasma as such. Oh, right. So and this is from fat, not blood. No, it's from fat, yeah. So how is that being harvested? Through lipo? Through lipo. This yeah. is like adipose yeah. fat cells or stem cells? or Yeah, so they t- they taking the, the stem cell out of wow. whatever's been lipoed. So this is like, you know, PRP on steroids. Yeah. It's like the next step. That's right. And, I've, you know, I've even seen them uh, using a drip to infuse it into patients. Wow. So I, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I've got a friend, obviously, we won't mention their name. He uh, has a long standing hormonal problem, and he's recently, it's not available in Australia, so he had to fly out of the country, and he had a stem cell infusion. Just exactly what you just said. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, heap of uh, like uh, UFC fighters now that travel to places like Panama to have these treatments done. So there's a lot of these American doctors that are setting up these state-of-the-art facilities outside of the, I guess, the the regulatory, I guess, stringent environment in, say, the United States, and they're heading down there, and they're getting going there for injuries with, you know, shoulder injuries, knee injuries, neck, and getting these treatments done and, and backfighting in ri- ridiculous times yeah. that no one thought was going to be possible. Oh, look, there's no doubt this is the, um, you know, we're on the very cusp of the beginning of something huge, but... You know, from an aesthetic point of view, I think it's it's very doubtful that these these treatments work on everyone. Mm. No doubt, if you've got burns, uh, what we saw with isologen when it was injected into into burns, unbelievable results, mm. unbelievable results. So you know, the st- stem cells actually, or the or the fibroblast is identifying there's a wound. Or there's an injury. And that's the difference. Aging is not necessarily an injury. 
That's right. I mean, how does a stem cell know that there's a line or wrinkle? It's just skin mm. as such. So um, it's, it's still a very controversial area. And, and, and the problem is the cost to the patient. I mean, you would charge $10,000 for a treatment. Wow. of something like this. yeah. So with no clinical evidence, with no clinical evidence, and then to justify the result to the patient becomes very, very difficult. And that's what we found uh, with isologen. So the doctors bought into it, but the problem was the results. And I think, you know, with my doctor's hat on, this is my reservation about this area of aesthetic medicine is that it's not backed up by data. And so... I don't know if it's completely ethical to offer something where someone might get a perfect result and someone might get nothing. Um, you know, that's a patient's choice, of course, and that will be discussed before the treatment. But, you know, having to fly out the country to Panama to have your stem cells infused into you because it's not allowed in your own country seems pretty full on. Well, I guess there's, <laughs> you know, the, 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 regula the regulatory side of things is having a hard time keeping up with how quickly the technology is moving. And you've got lots of moving parts as well, it's financial interests. And so there's so many different factors that can cause this to get slowed down or what have you. Well, uh, a couple, couple of years ago, um, and I don't know if it's changed now, but there was no regulation on biologics. Hmm. And that's how these guys can start up and, and, and start these things. But I think they're, their main aim or their main goal is to infiltrate the Chinese market mm -hmm. because there's so much disposable income. Mm. And this, the attraction of having your own cells heal you and make you better is very, very attractive to, to the patient. Well, it's, it's just like when you're talking about some of the different results between people, some, some people it works, some people it doesn't. There's always going to be confounding factors, just like diet. So you might be injecting this treatment into into patient A who has a great diet or different genetic makeup, or they exercise, they get lots of sleep. Maybe it's going to work better on them, but for someone that abuses their body in a multitude of different ways, is going to get a different result. And that's very difficult to standardise every person when you're trying to collect this data. What do you think, Jake? Well, I mean, this is a completely anecdotal example. We had a a client come into our clinic a few months ago for PRP yeah. and you know he's a young guy he just sort of was a little bit cagey about his background but anyway we, we took his blood and spun it actually in fact my nurse did I didn't and what we got his plasma looks, looked like rusty water and we were like what's going on here like it just didn't look right and obviously we didn't use it and we sort of sat him down and said look so something you're not telling us and he basically had been going bananas over the weekend with booze and illicit drugs and this and that and i don't know like i mean you know it, it's just a one-off maybe bad example but an example of if you're not in the right healthy condition and if you abuse your body that plasma is going to be absolute rubbish That's right. and so you know it would be good to try and standardise uh, how we do this and, and what result people can expect. But, you know, there's a spectrum in all of this. Cosmetic medicine is is medicine. It's not black and white. Well, that's right. That's right. You know, and, and, and the physician does have the right to use these treatments in an off-label manner um, based on their expertise and knowledge. Yeah. Wow, that was an interesting little segue. Yeah. <laughs> 
So <laughs> these are um, always the best parts. You know, I think we've gone them. down um, a completely different avenue to where we thought we were going to go. So, so that was that company. Mm. And then, how did you get into uh, facial aesthetics, or you know, the world that we're sort of? Was that around the time you and I met? Was around the QMED, the QMED days? Was that yeah. where you? Yeah. So the QMED days. Um, how long ago was that? <laughs> That was 2006, 2007. Yeah. We both look exactly the same still. Nothing's changed. <laughs> well, I tell you what, <laughs> my skin was absolute. But when I got into this industry, I used to go and see um, various physicians. And I'll never forget the one uh, woman physician uh, called me a fried old chip. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad my skin was. So the... The industry has done a little bit for me in that regard. Um, I have better skin now than I ever had, and I, I think to me that's that's where my passion lies. Mm. It's it's a, it's about the skin. So the, you know these things that Jake you were talking about PRP, beauty booster, microfiller, whatever you want to call it. Those those treatments to me are incredibly attractive, especially in the male market, where someone doesn't want to be enhanced or feminized as such you know but you want good skin you don't want to look haggard and old especially as we as we get older now i think that's a universal uh desire isn't it yeah you know i, th I think you're right you know the first thing you see when you look at someone's their skin yeah you don't necessarily judge their cheek shape or their nose or that's whatever right. it may be but if someone's got bad skin you know it yeah and, and you look unhealthy and, and that's why i think people who have acne really struggle with it because it's so visible i guess that's right um, so QMED, who were they, and or do they who still were exist? They? Yeah, <coughs> they got bought out. But well, I guess we yeah, QMED was a boutique filler company. That's all they did. They they made fillers. Um, the first crossling filler ever made was made by a guy called Bink Agarup. Is that in Sweden? It was in Sweden. Okay, and he set up QMED um, in the early days. And when I met David, it was a pretty good gig because there was. There was no competition. <laughs> it was fantastic. My half times have changed. <laughs> but um, and I'm right in saying there was only one filler at the time. So only right? one crosslink filler. <clears throat> that was so. There's um, just one thing in the cupboard. That's what you got. That's what you got. Okay. Exactly. Wow. And there was one anti wrinkle um, treatment. Well, they actually there were two, but the main one was so far ahead of everyone else. Uh, it, it there was. There was really no competition. Yeah. So in those days, Cumid and Allegan, we used to have a great relationship. We used to interact. We used to do meetings together, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Galderma eventually um, bought out Cumid. And as I said, Cumid was a, it, it was a fantastic company. It was a small company. You basically, you know, you were left alone. You had the... Obviously, there were business meetings. We agreed on a target. We agreed on expenses. And then you were left to your own devices to go and meet that target once it was agreed. Life was pretty simple. It was pretty simple. And if you, if you, if you achieved the targets, you were left alone completely. And that's what I started to realize that that's what I enjoyed in life. I wanted to be my own boss. So were you a, a rep? Did you go to clinic? No, no. So I was a, the general manager of QMED. Right. Okay. Um, which was subsequently bought out by Galderma, which is a, a large pharmaceutical company that is owned by Nestle. Yes. Um, and, you know, we, at QMED, I'd, we'd built up a, a very, very good team, a very close-knit team. Um, I would say all of them 
still to this day all work in the industry. So experts, you know, in, in, in aesthetic um, medication and treatments and a, a very, very tight team. And as a result of that, when, when Galderma bought us, what they did in Europe is they fired the whole QMED teams. They fired all of them. The guy that was general manager of Galderma, yeah, he realized that they had no expertise in this, in this area. The, the doctor was a very different doctor compared to an ethical environment. And he made the decision to keep the team against their wishes. As a result of that, and with the injection of, you know, huge resources that a, a large pharmaceutical company can offer, um, the actual aesthetic team within Australia became very, very successful. But I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, for for me, it it was never going to work. You know, you know that that large pharmaceutical structure huge amount of meetings, very uh, regulated, um, sort of putting handcuffs on you. Mm. I'm a very hands-on person. Um, I started uh, realizing, uh, you know, for my own well-being, I need to get out of this place. Okay. And um, How long yeah. were you with uh, Galderma for? Oh, it, it, it would have been, with QMED and Galderma, it would have been about eight, nine years. To give us some context, uh, what was the facial aesthetics industry like in those days? Because I actually trained in 2008. Yeah. So I think you're right. When I first learnt with filler, it was still branded QMED on the back of the box. Mm. What, what things were available? What sorts of treatments were being done then? Mm. So in 2008, it was still very much lines and wrinkles. Um, that's what what everyone was in, was injecting. I think it all started to change in 2008, 2009. Allegan brought their own filler onto the market and Taeus brought, brought their filler onto the market. And there was now competition mm. with this, uh, within the industry. And what, what really happened was physicians started using multiple syringes yes. rather than one single syringe to fill a line or wrinkle. Yep. So they started looking at volume and this became a new, a new buzz thing within the industry. Let's enhance rather than chase chase lines. Yes. Um, and as a result of that, it started to grow. Yeah. yeah. You know, the companies were selling more product, obviously, and I think the results were more prominent to the to the to the average patient on the street. Yeah. Where, where, which um, types of places were the treatments being offered, at, at, you know, 10 years ago? Um, this was pre-Laser Clinics Australia? Um, yeah, this was Yeah, pre- probably, yeah, just, bef- just before they came on board, right? Yeah, that's right. Laser Clinics came on board. They've been well, around for about 10 years now. Yeah, Bobek, Bobek was with Ivana initially. Yeah. Which I think is where he, he started to play with the idea of a chain clinic. Um so, so it was boutique it doctors, was yeah. Boutique Just doctors. Ind- independent doctors. You know, general practitioners that had decided that had enough of general practice mm. and set up pioneers in a way. If you think of, the, you know, Jeffrey Heber was one of the first, Neil Hamilton, um, Greg Goodman, et cetera, et cetera. The first, Mary Dingley, you know, these guys decided, actually, 
if you think about it, very brave in a way yes. to set up their own aesthetic clinic where, you know, we, we in the early days when we did studies, maybe 1% of the population was actually interested in a cosmetic uh, treatment. Yeah, I think we take it for granted now that it's yeah. just a, a pretty normal, available thing. Yeah. But back then, I completely agree, you were That's right. maybe seen as a bit brave to, yeah. to do that. The margins were fantastic. I've got to be, <laughs> got to be, you know, so from a business point of view, um, you know, you could sell, the margins were very, very good. And there was a lot of, um, a lot of money in this industry. And I think that's what enticed a lot of physicians to, to think this industry is easy. I and still it, get people yeah. asking me now, Hey, how do I train in injectables? Because they smell the money, not you know, they don't see it as a profession or a career or a specialty. They just think, well, I can earn a bit more money doing this. And, and I really don't think that's the best motivation. Well, to, it's, to it's a lot this. more involved now than what it used to be. As Richard was saying, you'd be chasing a line. Now you're looking at facial asymmetry, facial symmetry, looking at enhancements or, you know, correcting flaws from, from, a, from a volume perspective. So it's, 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 it's like a hybrid between science and art now. Hmm where it's, you can't just teach someone something in five minutes. It takes many, many years. I agree, and that's a very good word, you know, that, that, that artist. The, the guys that are really good, they are artists. I mean, they can see what needs to be done in a 3D uh, dimension. Yep. You know, you need to know your anatomy, you need to know your fat pads. You really need to know what you're doing in this game. So someone just thinking they're going to get in and make money sees so many guys fail. Well, even the differences between races, you know, how you would approach yeah. an Such Asian face yeah, versus a races. Caucasian or African or what have you. That's right. It's, again, it's like, it's, it's an art. So it's, you have to be passionate about it. And one of the things we were talking to, to Penny about was that analogy of you, you can teach people to paint, but not everyone can be an artist. And you have to really have the skill and the passion that's right. Not just the qualifications, which are equally as important, but it's 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 this perfect storm of all these attributes That's that right. make someone yeah. very good, and 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 then what happens is it becomes successful. But they have to have that passion and that skill. Well, that's right. And putting that entire package together, then you've got a very sp special injector as such. Yeah. yeah. We're just describing Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stay quiet on that one. You can be the judge. <laughs> Um, okay, so this was, uh, going back to where we were 10 years ago, mm. competition on the market, laser clinics in Australia just starting, yeah. um, and then you were with Galderma up until? I left Galderma in 2015. Okay, so fairly recent. Fairly recent, yeah. But you decided you wanted to take more of a, I guess, a, a personal uh, drive within a smaller company. That was what you were alluding to. Yes, that's right. I mean, I was offered the, the opportunity to buy into a small distribution company. And, um, you know, at the, at the time it was a complete startup. They'd, um, the company that, that I bought into had just lost Antaeus. Antaeus had sold out to a pharmaceutical company called Mertz. Okay. And decided to enter Australia direct. Hmm. So when I joined Rob Gregg, who's, who's the owner of um, Mondial, we had nothing, you know, so... so it, to it, be clear, you're a distributor, not a manufacturer, so we you not, made nothing of, of no products. We had no products. Um, 
was that different in itself to sort of sell someone else's product rather than something that you you know where you were the Galderma you were making your own products I assume yes look and you know a lot of people get very um, close to a brand I'm not like that you know I think what I've realized is I'm a traditional I am a salesperson so if the product's good I can believe in it and I can sell it yes and and I can see the advantages the cons the the negatives in all products. And you can take your pick of what works and what doesn't work. And that's right. And that's that's the beauty of Mondial. You know, we can we can start to look at the market, start to see what do physicians want or need, and then go go out and find them. And because Mondial's been around for for over ten years, in fact it's more than that. It's um, because Rob brought brought out one of the first permanent fillers, which I know is a very controversial topic and i'll be honest with you it's not something that um that we promote or or try and try and grow as such because when things go wrong it's unfortunately a permanent problem problem and if you do enough of it something will go wrong but um the beauty of mondial is as is being able to to look at these new emerging markets like korea uh where the the innovation is just unbelievable. Yeah. You know, when you talk about regenerative medicine, if you talk about equipment, um, and just the innovation of the physicians there, I, I don't, they, they seem to have a license to try anything. I would love to go there and just spend a week yeah. seeing what they do. <laughs> I think we should go on a... Reconna- reconnaissance mission. Yeah. yeah. Inside aesthetics in Korea. Yeah. Well, awesome. just, yeah, I mean, I mean, just before Christmas, uh, I, I went over with Dr. Ian Carlisle, Dr. Pierre Giovanni, uh, from, uh, from New Zealand and Dr. Stephen Liu. And we went to, um, a thread expert meeting and they had all the top Korean plastic surgeons showing their way of doing threads. And it's, it it was mind blowing. It's a facelift in front of you. Yeah, that's right. You know this non-surgical type of. Um, I mean, they transform faces. It it really is amazing what they do. And what did the Australian surgeons think of that? I mean, you mentioned Stephen Liu, obviously very respected plastic surgeon. I know he does facelifts. So what what's his take on something like this? Watching these different group of doctors approach a traditional procedure in this innovative way? Look, I think, I think the beauty of Stephen is he's, he's very open-minded. You know, he's, he, he likes the injectable arena. He likes the non-surgical arena as well as the su- surgical arena. The problem with threads is in the early days, the quality of the thread was so, so bad. The, the results, unfortunately, did not speak for themselves. So you were charging once again, huge amount of money to a patient, but the results were, were, were minimum to say the least. And on, and on top of that, you know, the, um, the quality of the thread was also not up to standard. So you would have infections, et cetera, et cetera. But the threads in Korea, I mean, there's over 50 companies, 53 companies in Korea alone. So the quality of these latest threads and the ones that we li- are looking at are PDO threads. So they, they're absorbable. Yes. Within three months, they're absorbed uh, into, the, into the body. Same as the surgical suture. Yeah. And that's, that's where they derive from. You know, so a guy like Stephen, I mean, he, he, was, he was very open to having a look at this. And um, 
some of the stuff that he's now doing, I think he'll be just as good as, as these guys in Korea. So can you just explain to us how a thread works? Yeah, so there are two types of threads. You, you get a lifting thread. And what is it? It's a it's a like a long suture, thick suture. It's it's a long uh, suture, and you can either cut the barb into the suture, or you can mold the barb into the future in, into the suture. So a barb is a little tiny little <coughs> spike like coming off the main string. It's like a that hook. acts as an anchor. Or a hook. Yeah, so that's going to hook onto the dermis or hook onto the smears. Um, and various companies do it do it differently. They'll <clears throat> they'll either cut into the suture. And you can imagine if you cut into a suture, the barb's not very strong. Yes. Or you can have a molding te- technology where you actually mold the barb into into the suture and it becomes very, very strong. Mm. And then you can have it bi-directional, you can have it helical, you know, so that it goes, goes around the thread. Um, and those are lifting threads. So when you place those threads in the skin, they are basically going to lift skin, and some of them are incredibly strong. I so mean, you can, you can lift, you can literally hang someone off the ceiling. That's how strong they are. So you make an incision in the skin, yeah, and you insert the thread, yeah, under the skin, and the idea is to what, pull the skin, so you lifting redundant or loose skin to create like a facelift type or a neck lift type effect. Is yeah. that yeah? Okay. That, that's exactly it. So I mean, the the physician would would look at the vectors. On this, on the on the patient's face, they'd make the incision. They either insert it with a cannula, so they first put the cannula into down into the deep subcutaneous area, and then put the thread in. Then you hold it, pull the cannula out, and the thread's left. And then you can pull it as such. So that's one type of thread: is those lifting threads. And you would put oh five or six. On, on each side of the face because the theory is that you need to share the load. Yes. Some physicians just put one thread in. You're wasting your time. They look very unnatural as well. Yeah. And you'll it, just pull on one point and above and below will still be saggy. That's right. And you're also going to get that puckering effect. Mm. So you need to share the load. Then they have these little threads called monos. So these are little, you know, you would put them intradermal. I think we've... You can sort of go through Instagram and see people with a thousand of these things sticking out their face, and that's right. Looks pretty wacky, but I th- am I right in saying that they're less effective? They are less effective. I mean, you you're basically looking for that collagen rejuvenation, as such. Okay, so it's more subtle. Should should I say it's not less effective? It's, it's more subtle. Yeah, but there's definitely a stiffening of the skin. So if you do it in combination with the lifting threads as a support structure. You get some amazing results. Mm. It might be a silly question. Where does the loose skin go? So if you've got excess skin, so I know if you're doing like a mm. facelift or a body lift, they excise the redundant skin. Where does this skin go when it's been lifted? But even in, 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 a, in even in a facelift, right. when they pull the skin back, there's some redundant skin left. Mm-hmm. That just seems to recide back into, into the patient's um, skin as such with the threads there will be your lift initially and there will be a reduction in the lift there's no doubt but it it all resolves um and don't forget over a I mean, couple of days some patients won't be suitable if you're if you're too saggy or you're too you heavy can't. yeah right, right. Yeah. okay 
So once again, yes, it is patient specific to insure. Where I saw the the advantage, we've seen so many um, filler jobs, for instance, where the physician has tried to lift. You know, patients come in asking for this two finger facelift. Oh, doctor, can you just do that for me? Jails. Every single client that I meet. <laughs> That's right. I wish I could just do that. That's right. So <laughs> eventually, you know, you'll try and put filler in the malar area to lift the skin. You'll put more in the jaw. But if you continue to do that, the patient will start to look abnormal. Because this has been one of your questions, Jake, is where does this fit into my repertoire of treatments? Um, I, I, I'm sat on the fence still. So I've, I've, I've never played with threads, so I'm, I'm certainly not qualified. I definitely mm. want to play. Because of there's so many types available, some aren't available in Australia, et cetera, et cetera, that's partly been the barrier. But also, you know, speaking to Dr. Nero, who is on our podcast, and he's actually a, a national thread trainer in Australia for a different company, um, he will almost always use filler in combination with the thread yeah. because many of these people need volumization as well as lifting. That's right. It's going to be a combination therapy, I think, regardless of the brand and, you know, the, the indication of the patient, et cetera. But I, I think there's a place for all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, you know it, it's, it's about giving the best outcome to the patient. And you're right, it's, it's a combination treatment. It's never going to replace a filler. I mean, fillers are incredible. You know, the way they can add volume, enhance, they draw water, they look after the skin. I mean, it's an amazing product. There's no doubt. Yeah. So this is something that you'd use, you know. So it's like a synergistic type yeah. of relationship between yeah. the thread and the filler. That's right. And that's how it should be. And so what happens when the, you said it lasts three months in the face, what happens, how long do the results last? What happens once that thread, I guess, gets absorbed or dissolved into the body? Well, it, it, it depends on the material of the thread and, and some of the, th the materials last much longer. The PDO lasts three to four months in the skin, but what it leaves is a scar tissue uh -huh. and that's what maintains the lift as such. So it would, you could guarantee a patient 12 months with the result that, that you show them immediately. And thereafter, they would come in and instead of using 12 threads, you'd probably use two or three to maintain that lift that um, you've already created. Which is similar to a, a multi-syringe filler treatment. You, yeah. Someone needing a, a similar sort of lift or volumization, you could use 10 plus, 15 maybe, but you know, you're not going to be doing that every year. You might only need three or four once a year thereafter just to maintain to tweak it so you yeah. get some long tail effect that tends to hang around and next time around it's not as severe as it was the time before in that's right okay yeah. and i'm assuming this is just done what like in a doctor's chair this is not a surgical procedure this is semi-surgical like how would get yeah. a local anesthetic the way we will pr promote it is that it's done in a clean environment so not, not a sterile environment, but we will provide doctors with a sterile procedure pack. So they would have a drape, they would have sterile surgical gloves. You want to keep it as clean as possible because you don't want to introduce an, an infection of course. when you're introducing that threat because you know, then you're going to have a problem. Absolutely. So this is something that Mondial is looking into or is currently stocking? No, so we've just secured um, an agreement with a company called Hans Hans Biomed, which is a Korean company, and they are the number. They are the, or they have the largest market share of threads in the world. Right. Okay. 
They direct in the US, so they've got FDA approval for this, what they call the mint thread, which is a minimally invasive thread technology. Non-surgical thread. Or non-surgical thread. I read that. Right. <laughs> you read it, you know more than I do. Mint. Um, mint, yeah. But they direct in about 10 large companies, uh, countries in the world, including China, including obviously Korea, Japan, the UK, Brazil. So it, it's a company that's really going places with regards to, to their thread. And they've just given us the uh, exclusive agreement for Australia and New Zealand. Great. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's exciting times. It's, it's, it's about to be approved. It should have been approved um, in January. So we're just waiting for the TGA to give us the tick of approval. So this is a good segue. So how does a smaller company, if you don't mind me saying so, mm, yeah. then scale to train Australia and New Zealand? And it, in the mint thread, for example. Yeah. And Jack, that's that's you know, that's a great question. I mean, we are a small company. We we're the only independently owned or Australian owned owned company in this market up against giants, you know, Allegan, Mertz, Golderma. Even Chroma, it's a massive pharmaceutical companies. Yep. The, the secret is the people. You've got to get the right people on board. Yeah. You know, you've got to get the people that actually understand the industry and have a passion, like David said, a passion for this game. Um, you know, and then you take it. You take it from there, and obviously, you know we 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 can't compete with an Allegan with regards to resources and sponsorships. But when it comes to training and understanding the market and what the doctor needs, you know we we, we can do just just as good a job. Is a thread um, doctor only uh, device, or can nurses and other practitioners use it? We will launch it as a doctor only a, a device. Okay. Um, as far as I'm aware, nurses will struggle to get insurance for a thread. Okay, so that's the main barrier. Yeah. yeah. So when we launch it, you know, it'll be doctor only. Um, and we'll have to be careful in the way we look at our thread business versus our filler business. It's very different. It's a very different business, you know, and you've got to be very careful. You you can get into, you know, with a small company, you can get into into very hot water if we're just throwing threads all over the marketplace. Oh, absolutely. Um, so that's a good avenue to talk about your other products. Mm. So you alluded to filler mm. and skin. Tell us about your uh, Beauty Boost, I think you've yeah. coined it. So they have a range of fillers, um, two ranges to, to be precise. And the one range is very, very similar to the traditional fillers on the market. Mm -hmm. The second range, which, which has only just been launched uh, approximately 12 months ago, is more about um, looking how a filler can behave in a dynamic environment. Okay. So it's injected more superficially and it moves with the skin. Right. So that's a very, uh, you know, a very um, different filler, to, to be very honest with you. On top of that, they've got two fillers that they have mixed with vitamins, minerals, etc. And one is for the tear trough indication. So not only looks at volumizing that deformity as such, but it also looks at the dark circle. So these minerals, vitamins actually act on the skin 
and lighten that dark circle area. Yeah. That is a crossling filler. Mm-hmm. On the other side, they have another filler exactly the same as that, but it's uncrosslinked. Can you just explain crosslinked and uncrosslinked for yeah. people who don't know? So the, the hyaluronic strands, as such, um, in order to create longevity, they use a, a chemical called BDDE, which actually bonds the hyaluronic strands together. So my understanding, this is someone told me this years ago, the filler is made up of strands of spaghetti, yeah. which is your hyaluronic acid. And if they're not cross-linked, the spaghetti is just, the strands are separated. That's they can right. just swim around and they don't sort of bind together. That's right. But this BDDE is like a little link between the spaghetti strands, so this, they are more resilient. That's correct. Is that basically? That's exactly it. Okay. Yeah, so you'll get your longevity with a crosslink filler, whereas an uncrosslink filler, approximately between three and five weeks, it will be reabsorbed into into the body and, and it's gone. Yes. But, you know, we talked about PRP. How do, you, how do you make better skin? And how do you give a patient a result where they walk away or 10 days later, they look in the mirror and they say, wow. I spent some good money and look at the results I achieved as a result of it. The beauty boost is about that, right? So it's, it's, it's about placing an uncross-linked hyaluronic acid. I won't call it a filler because it's not a filler, but it's like a hydrator. It's a hydrator. It's still hyaluronic acid. It's still going to draw huge amounts of water. It's still going to give you that beautiful glow, mm. but it's about injecting this hyaluronic acid into the papillary dermis. And this is where the big thing comes into, you know, there, there's a lot of skin boosters on the market. But if you place a skin booster deep down in the dermis or subcutaneously... It's not going to affect the surface. It's not. I mean, 99% of your fibroblasts are housed in, in the papillary dermis. So that's where your mode of action needs to be. Hmm. Now, you try as a physician, and Jake, you will know this better than me, but independently injecting hundreds of injections into someone's skin over a, over a period of, of a treatment, number one, it's incredibly painful. You're going to bruise the patient. You, you, you will never be as precise as you need to be. So, you, you know, you might be deep dermis, you might be epidermis, et cetera, et cetera. Commercially to try and sell that treatment, I found it impossible. Right. It's definitely an art. I mean, you know, it can be done, but yeah. you, you're right. It, it, it's a le- steep learning curve and, you know, you can bruise the hell out of people if you're using the wrong needle That's right. or, or just, you know, not, not uh, retracting the skin well enough to make it taut. But I, I completely agree. It's difficult. So commercially, I mean, and then, then to ask them to come back in three to four weeks to redo that treatment, similar to what you would do with PRP. You need to be a very good physician. Number one, you need to know how to sell. Number two, you need to be very good at your at your art. And you need to have that relationship of trust with the patient. So once again, I, you know, with Mondial, I, I sourced a machine in, uh, in Korea that can actually, you set the dose, you set the depth, and it actually injects the product into that papillary dermis. So we're looking at, you know, from 0.2 of a mil to a millimeter. That's the zone you need to target to put the product. So we have this product called the Beauty Booster that we inject into this target zone. So we stimulate those fibroblasts, but you also create, create this beautiful optimal environment for this 
activated fibroblast now to do its work. So you take that dermis that has become depleted as we age and you start to enhance it. So people who've never seen the Beauty Booster, it sort of looks like a big handheld gun, for want of a better word. Yeah, it's a gun, yeah. And then on the end, there's nine or five tiny little needles that inject a micro dose of filler. That's right. Or hyaluronic acid, let's call it. So you'd numb the face, presumably, before? You know, you can, and, and, and we obviously recommend that. But in my experience, I don't think there's any difference because the numbing cream seems to work in the deeper dermis. Mm. It doesn't work in that, in that very superficial dermis. So, you know, psychologically, yes, you would, you would put numbing cream on, but personally, I don't think it makes a difference, to be honest. I think you just need to suck it up. You need to make sure the injector understands the gun and do the treatment as quickly as possible. Well, David, I've, had, I've, had I've done treatment. your neck. You have. You've done my face and my neck. All right, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, look, I mean, it was, was, it was I could think of lots of other things I'd rather be doing than having my face pricked with a thousand needles, but it was, <laughs> but it was tolerable. And I agree, I, I didn't feel any sort of amnesic, uh, sorry, numbing amnesic. effect. Amnesic. That was the rehab no, I gave you. <laughs> <laughs> that was Saturday. Uh, <laughs> I didn't feel any numbing, really. It, it was, it was, I would yeah. say it was uncomfortable, but tolerable. Yeah, that's right. And that's, you, you know, if, if you want the benefit, where you see the real benefit is that patient that comes in with that paper-thin skin and they look like a train has hit them after the treatment. They honestly do because just the suction blotches their skin. <clears throat> but they do the second treatment, they do the third treatment, and their downtime on the third treatment is virtually non-existent. So all of a sudden you now start to see you've, you've, you've enhanced that, that dermis. You know, you've, you've repaired it. And that's why it's my favorite treatment, because it's real repair versus a temporary repair. How have you found the reception uh, of the clients to this treatment? Because I think the only, well, the one downfall to it, it's not, it's not a, an absolute problem, but it's three treatments, not one. That's right. Spaced out over around a month each time. And so, you know, we're all living a busy lifestyle. People want as less bruising as possible. They don't want time off work, blah, blah, blah. It, have you found that a difficult concept? Because most people are used to having their filler, I don't know, once every six months, once a year, and, and away yeah. they go. Is that a new... Look, I, th I personally haven't found that a problem because I think, you know, after the 10-day period, they get that incredible glow mm. because now you've got three mils of filler sitting just underneath your skin. Yeah, You get the reflection coming from the light, it reflects back and they get this beautiful glow. And I think, you know, if you've consulted it correctly, you've talked about the real repair, you show them a young person's dermis versus an elderly person's dermis and what you're trying to achieve mm. in real terms, people buy into it and they'll come back every two months. The top guys doing this treatment, they tell me their patients are addicted to it. They come back every two months Wow, for the treatment. That's great. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's how you consult it. But as we said earlier, everyone wants good skin. And this treatment does give you good skin. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I, I would say that some of the before and after photos, it, you know, of course they look good. That's why you use them. But many of the clients say it's more of a feeling rather than necessarily a noticeable 
look of course you're aiming for that as well but it's some sometimes it's hard to pick up in a photo how the skin feels that's right if photos don't do it justice yeah the the, the, the skin starts to feel sulky uh, and the patient can feel it you know the the skin's more bouncy it's it's more elastic mm. um, it feels plumper and, plumper and more youthful i guess yeah and 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 you know their friends will comment about how good they look and i think i think that's what the treatment's about you know it's not all about trying to yes you can go and have a boob job and wow geez look at you my god but this is more subtle you know what i mean it's 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 that real versus wow yeah you know yeah and again in combination with other things so once you've got the quality of the dermis improved, then you become a better candidate for filler and enhancement. And the canvas that you're working underneath is is so much better. So your result is going to be exactly. Im- exponentially better once you've improved that's the canvas. Right. You know, that's my my hope is that you sell this to everyone who walks through the door because everyone can have this. You know. Yeah, I mean, many injectors and. An, you know, there's different types of injectors, different clinics, etc. But I think a lot of clients put all of their budget towards, you know, the, the obvious things that they want. So, for example, anti-wrinkle treatments to soften their frown lines and dermal filler to, I don't know, enhance their cheeks. And we live in Australia where, you know, skin damage is so, so prominent. And yet, I think if you speak to 100 injectors, they find that skin, for whatever reason, is the less or the, the the lesser priority compared to the more obvious treatments for clients? Is that something that Mondial struggled with initially, or or have you found that people are quite receptive to, you know, putting their budget towards skin rather than anti-wrinkle treatments? No, I think you're right. Uh, you, you know, it has been a struggle. It's 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 because the result is, is, is subtle. Mm. You know, injectors want to inject, they want to show the patient You've paid a certain amount of, of money and you've got a fantastic result. Whereas, as David said, you know, a thousand needles in your face, it's not the most comfortable thing in the whole world. Then there'll be a, a certain amount of downtime. And maybe after 10 days, wow, you know, you'll look in the mirror and you'll, but people forget, don't they? They forget where they came from. Always. You know, and that's, it's, so it's a challenge. It is a challenge. Sounds like it's a, 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 a a function of education it's almost like you would you know jake you'd have a patient that comes in in their you know late 60s 70s perhaps skin quality is not great this might be a precursor to going down the, the traditional filler path where you might go you know what you do need volume you do need you do need enhancement in these areas but we need to do this first we need to get your canvas to a point Otherwise, you're just wasting your money. We're throwing filler down a, down an empty hole. We need, need to actually get your canvas, the structural integrity of your canvas better. Yeah. And then let's move on to stage. It's almost like it's a stage one for a lot of people. Well, the alternative to that is if someone's filler and anti-wrinkle naive, they've never done it in their 50s and 60s, maybe, and this is just personal <laughs> um, belief, that if you could give them something simple like, Okay, I'm going to soften just your frown lines today. You can go away, you can see that result in a few days. Then I can open the conversation to let's look at the whole face and the back of your hands and your chest. I don't know, it's just, uh, it depends. I think it's client specific. Some people are open-minded, some people just want something specific. But yeah, I, I agree, it's about education and 
you know, just opening that conversation. And it is. I mean, when I speak to the injectors that do this treatment, the, there's two things they'll say to me. Battling to sell it. And how do we market it? How do we educate the patient on on what this is? So you're right. It, it, it is putting a marketing plan, putting a treatment plan in place and marketing it, you know. And that obviously needs to come from us and whoever we partner with. Yeah. Going back to the the actual gun that you sourced from Korea, mm. what was that made for specifically originally? It was made for filler. But but skin booster type fillers. Yeah, you know, in 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 China, where this all came from, um, they call it um I think it's called Sogwa, which is uh, water shine. Okay. And it's a huge treatment in China. So they were injecting, but you must remember, that, as we said, the Asian skin is much is 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 okay. much thicker. So they were injecting a crosslink filler into into the skin. I'm not too sure of the depths, but if unfortunately, when I first brought this gun out, we used a crosslink filler. But if you put that in a very superficial part of the skin, mm. you leave these tiny little lumps, yeah. especially underneath the eyes, especially yes. in the neck. Yeah. And I tell you what, 14, 15 months down the line, you'll have that patient knocking on your door because you cannot highlight it. It's, 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 you know, the, because of the micro particles, it's impossible to highlight. So you've got to be very, very careful. And then when it reflects against the light, it looks like they've got leprosy. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you've got to be careful, you, you know, what, once again, what you use and, and, and the depth and the way you're going to place it. Okay. But with an uncross link filler, you're not going to have a problem. Okay. Could we talk about the filler pen that you mm. distribute? Because that's interesting. I, I've not used it, yeah. but I know one or two colleagues in the UK who use it. Yeah. almost exclusively. Yeah. What was the purpose of it? Like, and wh why should I use it? Basically, let's put it that way. You know, that's going back to Mondial. That's our focus. We look at injectables and we look in boutique injectable devices. So the 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 pen as such is, and you're right. Why should you use it? I mean, you, you do your art with a manual syringe. Just as well, why should I spend X amount of dollars on a, me a mechanized uh, pen? So, for people who don't even know what we're talking about, so the pen is a device <laughs> where you put a syringe of filler loaded onto, if you like. Yes, that's right. And then the pen, you will press a button and it will deploy the filler in a systematic, smooth way okay. as you pull out the needle. Well, that's right. I mean, you, you can either um, set it, there's two functions, you can thread or you can set it to bolus uh, mode. And then you've also got different speeds. Okay. So it can be fast or it can be small. And then obviously the different sizes of the bolus or how long the thread is. Yes. And as you said, it's, it's that smooth action. And that's why you would look at it. I would look at the pen just treating lips. It reduces the pain. It's quite unbelievable. So you can inject one side manually with a patient and inject the other side with the pen. The difference in the in, in the difference to the patient in the pain threshold 
I, it, it's off the charts. So you think the pain is related to the pressure and expansion of the filler? That's right. And it, if you're doing it manually, you're not doing it in that smooth, standardized fashion, which is what the pen does. Mm. So I would say if I was selling it to you, I would say, Doc, Dr. Sloan, use your, your normal techniques in the rest of the face, but use the pen in the lips. And you will find your patients are going to have a far better experience. I guess it depends what analgesia you're using. Because, I mean, if pain was such an issue that I needed a new solution, I could understand that. But I, I don't know in my practice if it is, but you do meet clients who come back and say, oh, my God, I had a terrible experience somewhere. So I don't know, maybe it's just injector-specific as well, to whether that's a problem. Well, it is. It, it is. And, and once again, that's been a challenging injectable device to sell but the physicians that have taken on board like you mentioned man they've never looked back they've never looked back and they would never use anything else wow yeah but you don't get any feedback from it at all so is there any safety issues you know you're not you're not getting that feedback of the depth or or the tissue that you're in because it's sort of loaded onto a no so the the pin what you'll do is you'll take the syringe, you'll take the actual plunger out of the syringe. Okay. And all you're doing is loading the cartridge. So the whole thing is, that's how big it is. It's about, what, 10 centimeters yeah, ish. Not even. And you will hold it, you can hold it anywhere along the, uh, what they call the... Um, like a pen, I guess. You're holding it like a pen. Like a pen. Yeah. So you're actually closer than if you were injecting. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's made by a Swiss company, um, and they also have one for a neurotoxin. Um, very, very innovative, and they have one for, for fat um, injections. So I could understand it for the dermal filler because, you know, that is about getting the bolus exactly the same size, mm. threads symmetrical, but why would you use it for an anti-wrinkle treatment? Well, the anti-wrinkle treatment is the cost. And you don't have to look at your gradings, how much anti-wrinkle you're actually injecting. You just hit the button. So if you've set it to a specific dose yeah. on one of the various anti-wrinkle uh, medications, then you just hit the button. So it's, it's, it's about you placing it, making sure your placement is correct. Yes. But you don't have to worry about it actually injecting it. So, so you for don't a, overshoot or. Yeah, that's right. So for a beginner injector, fantastic. They also then say on, from a cost perspective, you're going to, there's going to be less waste. So profitability wise, it should be better as well. Interesting. I haven't, I've not seen it working. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think there's, a, I can drop one off for you guys too. Play yes, around please. Sure. Let's have a play. Can I use your face, David? Jake likes new toys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, great. Okay. Um, what about any other products that Mondial are distributing? The, the other thing we look at is skincare. And I, I think the most innovative thing that we have at the moment is a product called Oxygenetics, which is a, a breathable foundation. Mm. So for these treatments like Beauty Booster, Microfiller, where you're putting a thousand needles into the patient's face or a laser treatment. And especially now where it's becoming more commoditized and patients are walking out of a treatment into a very congested shopping mall, for instance, you know, you want to let them leave the treatment, not feeling 
exposed like, or exposed, exposed. I think it's a really good point. It's it's one of the barriers or things that comes up almost every treatment is can I put my makeup on? Yes. Uh, yeah. And my answer, because you know, I'm trying to be as sterile as possible, is no. Wait till tomorrow. And and that's right. You know, whereas this foundation, you can put it on immediately. It's breathable, so it's going to stop any infection incurring. It's waterproof, so they sleep with it overnight, oh, wash wow. it wash it off the next day. Comes in a multitude of colors, so you can mix and match it to, to any patient. Um, remarkable pro- products, a, a, an American product, incredible story behind it. Um, which we could get into another day. I don't actually have the facts, but it comes from, it's quite iconic uh, where it came from uh, in the Hollywood days of, um, of the early acting. And how oh, do right. people get hold of it? Um, Michael Richard. <laughs> What's your number? What you <laughs> <laughs> but what I've seen, you know, a lot of patients that use it after a treatment Continue to use it. Continue to use it as a foundation going forward because it's not sticky. You can't feel it on your face, you know, and it's breathing. It's this good. is really interesting. Yeah. So especially for your gym fanatics, you know, they, 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 they're taking selfies <laughs> while, while they're doing a gym workout. This is incredible because it doesn't, it, it doesn't sweat. So, you know, I'm not a makeup expert, but what uh, types of... Uh, uh, what's in the range of the oxygenics? So how do you say genetics? Oxygenetics. Oxygenetics. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. So you sell a foundation? Do you sell any lip product or? Yeah. So there's a foundation and a moisturizer within that range. Then Tioxane also have a skincare range. Okay. Which is a general skincare range, a very very good range, a very basic range. It's not a it's not a massively active range. It's a very basic range, and we sell that in combination with our fillers. Great. So I guess uh, just to sort of wrap things up a little bit, in terms of, I guess, business question for you, obviously we come from, Mm. I wouldn't say identical backgrounds, but both involved in the industry, not from a medical practitioner perspective. So what advice would you give to entrepreneurs or business people who are looking to get involved in this industry in some capacity but aren't a doctor or a nurse? Look, I, th- I think the the big thing for them is the, is their people who they get on board. Obviously, the person who 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 sets up the clinic needs to be a business person, understand business, understand that you cannot panic, and you need to to rationalise your cash flow. And we're a small business. Our business is all about cash flow. Every single day we have a cash flow report. We understand exactly what we can do and what we can't do. And I think that's, that's the priority that a business person needs to understand when they, when they go into small business. Secondly, they got to get the right people on board and they got to make sure those people are educated. You know, in this industry, as as Jake was saying, I mean, the full package is um, is a very very special person at the end of the at the end of the day. Likewise, what I would do if if and I do it in my in in, a, in our own business, I try and lock my good people in, and you've got to do that. You know, it's it's human nature is a funny thing. Pe- people become unhappy <laughs> overnight. Bored. Unhappy. Bored, unhappy, and um, so if you've got good people, look after them and lock them in. You know, offer them a profit share, offer them shares within the, with, with within the business, but give them that 
that range to aspire to. And once you've locked them in, you know, then you've got them forever. And then it becomes a really good partnership. Mm, but okay. I think if you if you if you're too greedy, mm. um, and sh- and share this, you know, share the wealth. I mean, that's that's what we do with 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 our salespeople. They earn from the first dollar they sell. You know, it's a percentage of sales. So you sell more, you get paid more. You know, uh, to me, that's you know that that's fundamental in business is people. And obviously, they have to have the passion as well. It has to be something that's not just here for a paycheck or a profit share. It's about being involved in something they genuinely believe in and are passionate about. I think that comes through with everything that you do, really. If you, well, if you especially in this industry, if 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 you don't have the passion for it, um, you're not going to survive. Yeah, it's it's too competitive. And I think it's it's such a huge industry now that there's room for everybody. And I think that there's sometimes a bit of this small-minded thinking that that we sort of tend to all sort of combat each other and fighting over territory and position whereas if the market's still so underpenetrated and there's there's opportunities for good people um there's no there's no shortage of opportunities and the, the market's still still so under untapped of course of course and and you're right you you know you've got to be open minded as soon as you start worrying about other people you've lost the plot yeah you know focus on your own game run your own race and, uh, and, and you will be successful, you know, there's no doubt. I think uh, our final question quite nicely goes back right to where we started. From a business person's perspective, where do you see the industry going in the next five to ten years? Jake, I, I definitely see it on that, that regeneration or regenerative type of, of, of medicine. There's, there's no doubt that... Um, I mean, you see it all the time. Devices are coming out that are geared towards breaking down fat so that you can inject it in a, with a 27 gauge needle. Um, stem cell type treatments. Um, I think that's where it's going. And I think that's, that's what doctors want because the passionate doctors, you know, that's that, that. That's why they did medicine. They they want to be the pioneers, break into this these new t- types of treatments that actually heal patients from the inside out. Yeah. And and I personally, that's where I think it's going. I think there'll always be a place for temporary products because people want to look good for parties. Uh, it's just the way the world is at the moment, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's instant results. Instant results is huge pressure on young people to look good. Um, probably too much pressure, but um, I've always got to be selfie ready. Selfie ready. I mean, God, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, we explored that with Dr. Shab, didn't we? Mm. Um, so, how do people get in contact with yourself or or your company if they want to? talk about these products or, or reach out to you for more information yeah. or even find the products buy the products yeah, yeah. so we've got we, we've got a website that's actually in, in, at the moment we're revamping it but it's it's obviously available right now but we've got a consumer site so if someone wanted to buy something like oxygenetics or the skincare they can buy it online or the uh, physicians obviously we have a practitioner site where they can go into the back end of the the website look at various treatments etc etc and and they can contact us and obviously we'll we'll send someone over who has the the knowledge and the experience to to help them get started and the website is it's um, mondialesthetics.com 
How do you spell Mondial? Is it just as it sounds? It's M-O-N-D-E-A-L. And Mondial is a French word meaning all over the world. Oh, there you go. And you <laughs> we're, got... not, we're not quite all over the world. <laughs> oh, well, you've got to start with a goal. That's the A. And you're on That's social media a... or just the website? Yeah, we, we, we on, uh, we've got an Instagram site called Look Younger. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's yeah that's that's it for social media great thank you for your time and coming and have a chat with us we appreciate it yeah always good to chat with you guys thank you so much richard yeah thank you jay 